This episode of Crosscut Talks is supported by Alaska Airlines. Hey, welcome to Crosscut Talks. I'm Mark Baumgarten, the managing editor at Crosscut. And today we're talking about the return of travel. But we're not talking about weekend trips to the coast or even over state borders to see family. Sure, those trips were unthinkable for many Americans who were holed up at home as the pandemic raged. But with vaccination rates climbing, those journeys have returned with some normalcy for many of us. What hasn't returned yet, at least not with any sense of normalcy, is travel abroad. Many countries have been reopening their borders to Americans, though there are restrictions in many places requiring proof of vaccination or even a negative COVID-19 test. And in some parts of the world, the pandemic is still raging. And you probably don't want to go, even if you can. Then there's this. The world has changed. As this week's guest, Rick Steves, points out, Many of the small businesses that are built on tourism and that help provide world travelers with the kind of immersive cultural experience that make a 14-hour plane ride worth it, those businesses might just be out of business. And you might not know until you show up at their door, dated guidebook in hand. So what's a world traveler to do now? Steve's is the right person to ask. He's the longtime host of Rick Steves Europe on public television and Travel with Rick Steves on public radio, and he's published a number of those guidebooks. Steves has spent much of his adult life in foreign countries, but for the last year and a half, he's spent his entire life at home, like the rest of us. And he sounds like he's having a pretty good time. And that was the surprising thing for me in this conversation with Enrique Cerna, which was recorded in early May as part of the Crosscut Festival. Steves has a lot to talk about what kind of world we might be arriving in post-pandemic, but he also has insights into the lockdown world we're leaving behind, and some lessons that he's taking with him into the future. This conversation and all other conversations on the keynote track at the 2021 Crosscut Festival is sponsored by BECU, which would like to share the following message. BECU believes every forward thinker deserves added momentum. So for over 85 years, they've offered financial services and support to the community. Members have access to local financial centers, over 30,000 ATMs through the co-op network, and online resources. BECU is a member-owned credit union that puts people over profit. Learn more at BECU.org, federally insured by NCUA. This session is also sponsored by Blodell Reserve on Bainbridge Island, 150 acres of tranquil gardens, forest, water, and wildlife. All right, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you have any feedback, please send it to talks at crosscut.com. Okay, on with the show. Rick, welcome. Good to have you with us, and welcome to the Crosscut Festival. Enrique, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, so tell me what life has been like as you have been uh, sheltering in place there in Edmonds in your beautiful home and uh, just uh, trying to, I would imagine, trying to keep busy during this time, which you probably you know, have no trouble doing. I, I'm, it's, I don't know what's going on, but I'm busier than ever. I'm just, I, I can... Um, I spend a lot of time 
talking in virtual get-togethers like this, which I really love. Um, my, I'm sitting at my my breakfast and my dinner table right here. I've got my view of Puget Sound and the Olympics on a nice day, and uh, you know, ships going out to sea, and hear the train coming and going, and looking out over my beautiful town of Edmonds here. And uh, it's just a, it's really cool. It's a constant reminder of how we are connected with our community and our world and our environment. And I've been locked down as a traveler. So, um, you know, I can, uh, <laughs> I always uh, tell people I can still see my junior high school right there. I have, I've traveled a lot, but I haven't gone very far. Uh, and I walk to work, but I haven't been to my office more than a handful of times in the last year. Uh, I've got a hundred people on my payroll. Um, I'm a, I'm a privileged person who has a quiet, well-lit, you know, comfortable space. And I've got work that I love. And I'm totally able to do my work at home. And oddly, I'm getting more media interest now that I'm the travel guy who's stuck at home than I get when I'm on the road. Everybody wants to talk to me and go, "Hey, what's it like? You can't travel." And uh, you know, I'm 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 woven in a love of travel. I was walking home the other day and I saw a snail on my neighbor's white picket fence, and all I could think of was escargot. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to go. I've got. Um, you know, we, we had to give back. We had 24,000 people signed up on our tours last year when this pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, we, we gave back 24,000 deposits and I've got 100 people on my payroll and I want to keep my team together. It's the right thing to do. We're, we're still employed. We're still getting our health care. We're still working, but we're not able to sell tours or sell books. So, you know, it's um, it's it's a it's a forced pause. And um I've been making the most of it. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about employing a traveler's mindset right here at home, Enrique. And I've realized, you know, I've been a, you know, me, I've been a travel fanatic ever since I was a teenager. Right. I've spent a third of my adult life living out of a carry-on-the-airplane-sized suitcase, uh, hanging out with people who find different truths to be self-evident and God-given and learning from it and taking notes and writing and making TV shows and guidebooks and so on. And now I'm home and it's really a very fundamental thing I've learned is, you know, I know what a good traveler should be. I, I call it a traveler's mindset. You know, you're positive, you're curious, you're willing to get out of your comfort zone. You want to make mistakes and learn from them. You want to try new things. You want to put more colors on, on the palette where you'll paint your life story. And um, you can employ that traveler's mindset right here in, in wherever your home is. And um, what, 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 is, been, what is that? So, so what is a traveler's mindset, particularly when you apply it yeah. here at home, not in but Europe? When the opportunity presents itself, you say yes. In my travels, a lot of times I'm tired or I didn't plan that or it's going to disrupt that. But I just want, you just want to shake things up. I've been watching the, the Hemingway uh, special with Ken Burns, you know, that uh, Casey just has been airing. And <laughs> Hemingway had to shake it up. If there's, if, if there's something going on, he had to be there in order to be have an interesting life to write about. And uh, when you travel, you want to say yes to those opportunities. You can do that at home. Um, I Examples I, I always like to talk about, I never knew how to cook. It was kind of embarrassing how I had almost never worn a apron. I didn't know how to turn on my stove very well. I mean, I, I wasn't comfortable with it. I, uh, I, I distinctly remember the first time I cut through a nice crispy onion. And I was 65 years old <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a whole new world. My girlfriend uh, loves to cook and we've spent a lot of time together. And 
I have been, I've been, I, I, I always think, yeah, you know, I'm, I've got no regrets. I love the way I've led my life, but I have missed out on the joy of cooking and shopping and helping out in the kitchen. And now I do that. I look forward to shopping for groceries. We, you know, managing the inventory, what's coming on the farmer's box this week. Uh, <laughs> I just talking about what you cooked as you eat it. I just spent a lot of money on a nice set of knives. My, my kids are saying, who is this man? Um, and that's <laughs> me, a reminder, not that cooking in itself is important, but you can think, you know, what your priorities are. And that's because of a lot of odd little circumstances. And my priorities have been travel and I love teaching and that's my niche in life. And that's where I'm supposed to be. But if I can't travel, I can still shake things up. I can carbonate my life. Uh, even if I don't get on an airplane, uh, another thing, uh, Shelly, my girlfriend has two beautiful dogs. And when I met her, I thought, oh, no, this is such a beautiful person. But dogs, you know, I just didn't get dogs. I don't I never had time for dogs. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> and I love dogs. And now I understand why people walk dogs. I have I, I don't even want to say what I thought about people who walk dogs until now. I just didn't get it. But but it's a beautiful so dimension. Has been rediscovering himself. All right. I, I guess so. Time. Yeah. And, you know, and, what I discovered was the joys of an instant pot, because I've learned to do a lot of cooking with an instant pot. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the cool thing, Enrique, is there's so much to be enthusiastic about life over. Um, hum, hummingbirds. I'm really into hummingbirds right now. I've never even noticed hummingbirds. And now I think we're the most popular little stop on the block. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm more tuned into the environment for me. Every sunset is like a devotional. I just take a moment and I enjoy that sun going down. Uh, in fact, I've got a little routine where I play taps when the sun goes down. And uh, I, right, I, right. I think yes. my neighbor like it. And uh, I just <laughs> love doing that. And it's just that moment when we're all together and we all focus on the environment and look at the sun. And when it's done, we all whoop and clap and we go, yeah, we're going to get through this thing. Now, one thing you've still been doing is that, and you've had thousands that have been joining you online with this, is doing a Monday night uh, travel party. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just, you know, every Monday I got about five or 6,000 people that come into my home and it's fun. I scurry around and I get set up and I'm cooking and I'm sharing food and drink from the place we're going to be traveling. I'm using a wonderful, you know, Zoom webinar technology. It's just a free, fun party for travelers. And I thought normally I'm in Europe, uh, Enrique, for a hundred days out of the year doing my work, and then I come home and I'm I'm not I'm gone a lot when I'm home because I'm traveling around the country giving talks. Of course, I haven't been traveling around the country, so I've got that bandwidth to do something in a time-consuming, regular way. So I committed myself to hosting this Monday night travel party, and it's just taken off. And we really we probably have about eight or nine thousand people that sign up each week. I do two shows. And um, every week I go somewhere new and I, I show um, I, I broke apart our TV shows for a, a program I made for teachers called Classroom Europe. But we have 150 TV shows that we've aired here in public on KCTS for 30 years now. And we broke it into 500 teachable clips so teachers can scramble and put together playlists uh, and homeschooling parents and so on. And that's a program I'm really excited about and proud of and happy to give to teachers. It's my gift to teachers who I have so much respect for. And I've realized I can cobble together fun little versions of a TV show with a particular playlist. And then I've got my finger on the pause button and I pause and I explain to people what, what we were doing when we filmed it and what was happening and a few little updates. So we do that. And then I'm eating different things from different countries. And 
is my Monday night travel. And it's it's vicarious travel. It's virtual travel, right. but it's the best we got right now. And yeah. I'm just impressed by how many people are really hungry for that. So, and you're still traveling. You're still telling people about what's happening around the food-wise yeah. oh, yeah. and giving information and keeping yourself active. How do people sign up for that? Oh, they how, just how go to Rick's. Go to my website and right on the homepage, you'll see Monday Night Travel and you just click through. It's totally free. And you just you choose. Do you want the 530 or the seven o'clock show? I'm a little I'm a little tipsier and looser on the seven o'clock show. So if you can, <laughs> if you can schedule that. Is there a little wine going on there, Rick? You're sipping Every wine. Night I know you like your wine. So, yeah. 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 Well, well let's talk a little bit about uh, what's happening uh, in the news. Uh, read recently in the New York Times that. Uh, the European Union is saying that they think that people can be able to travel to Europe uh, maybe as early as this summer. What do you think of that? You think that's really going to be possible? Well, if you're hell-bent on traveling, you can travel right now to certain places. Right. Um, uh, you know, patience is not an American forte. It's certainly not a Rick Steves forte. No kidding. But for the last yeah. year, patience has been my middle name. People are asking me, when can we go? Can we do this? Can we can we game it and get over there before everybody else? And I'm just saying, take a breath. This is God's way of telling us to slow down. Let's just take this little sabbatical from all of our travel. We will be able to travel soon enough. And if it's just, you know, if you want to get for first out of the gate, you can do it. But I don't want to fly all the way to Amsterdam to eat in a bubble so I don't get somebody else's germs. Um, for me, uh, social distancing and Rick Steve style travel have nothing to do with each other. I am the opposite of that. I go to Europe for the people. If I'm, and you know, wherever you're traveling, but my beat of course is Europe. But um, if I'm making a guidebook or making a TV show or leading a tour, the measure of how good that the work I'm doing is, is how do I connect my people with people in the land we're traveling to? And uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be certain safeguards and changes we'll make going forward post-COVID, and we can talk about that. But right now, I would just say we're on a trajectory towards normalcy. When Without the vaccine, it was testing and it was, it was whack-a-mole. But now, once we get to herd immunity, we're going to be where we want to be, but we just got to get to herd immunity. Now, I'm very thankful that, well, first of all, I was disappointed in how Europe was doing in the last three or four months. And I was disappointed on how Americans are reluctant, a lot of them, to take their vaccine. So that's bad news. But thank goodness we've got capable government, good governance. We've got a government that believes in science. We've got these vaccines. And we've got, we've got a push now to get people out to get that. Uh, we're talking rich country to rich country travel, EU, United States. When they're safe and when we're safe, assuming we've got you know the transportation connections, there'll be travel. We won't be traveling to the poor parts of the world because by the nature of our big gap between rich and poor in our world, it's the rich countries that will have their bubbles where they can travel. I believe New Zealand and Australia already have that. And the United States and Europe will have that, I think, a couple of years before, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or, or Latin America and the United States will be traveling that that um, smoothly. Um, Europe is, it's the biggest uh, employer in Europe is tourism. We're vital for their economy. And of course, it's a big part of our economy. I've got 100 people on my payroll with, with, with no way to make any money right now as we're in this pandemic. Um, I think we're hoping we can travel in the fall of 2021. We've got tours booked. We're taking people's names. 
We've got our bus drivers and our hotels standing by. I think it's a little, uh, it'll, everything will have to go right for us to be able to travel with right. organized tourism, like people on a bus. Individuals will travel before bus companies will travel, I think. But I am, I would bet on us being able to do our bus tours in early 2022. Um, it would be, that would be a real shock to me if we're not able to travel by early 2022. But I don't want to jump the gun. Uh, you know, you could have every expert in the world on a panel and they wouldn't know when we're going to be able to travel. It just depends on things, how things unroll. But we're on the right track and that's good news. And I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, you're basically saying be patient. I'm saying and do be what patient. we need to do so that we can get to the opportunity to be able to travel. Everybody's aching to travel. Everybody's aching yeah. to fill up their restaurants and their concert halls and their airplanes and their tour buses and their cruise ships. And I'm aching to fill up my tour buses. I've got a hundred good friends who are my guides in Europe that have not, no work. It's it's heartbreaking. I got 24,000 people that gave me deposits last year. They want to go to Europe. I mean, I'm over worrying about my uh, <laughs> my lost revenue. I, I've had 30 good years. I'm having a couple of bad years. That's just fine. I'm really... What, what breaks my heart is all these people who are in the prime of their careers and they can't do what they are so good at doing. And all these people who have saved and dreamed and planned and they have to derail their travel plans. Our mantra is this COVID can derail our travel plans, but it can't stop our travel dreams. And I know from 40 years of leading tours around Europe and so on that um, the demand does not dissipate when you have a uh, uh, a hurdle like this. This is by far the biggest hurdle in my career. But I know that the demand, it just gets backed up. And when you're free to travel again safely and reliably, the demand will spring back and there'll be a, a huge resurgence in travel. But right now, I really think you need to be patient. I don't want, uh, again, you could go over there early and, you know, if you want to, that's fine. There'll be individuals, motivated, highly motivated individuals that will find a way to travel. I've had people on my staff who have gone to uh, many places in Europe and, and Turkey and uh, uh, in the last couple of months. And they're, they have, they're highly motivated and they go over there and they have to go through quarantines and prove they've got a reason to go and all this kind of stuff. I don't want to mess with that. I, I really want to be on vacation when I go to Europe. It's kind of like when I go to a restaurant, I want to relax and not be nervous about, is it safe? Uh, I can't, I don't go to a restaurant to be uptight and wondering, is this ventilated correctly? I go to a restaurant to relax. Otherwise, I'm not going to bother. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'd much rather be cold and sit outside and be relaxed than to be sitting inside and be, be nervous about my, my health. Um, so in time, it, it'll probably take three or four more months than people want. But assuming people can just take their shot, their vaccinations. Uh, I just did a, a kind of a public service uh, a vaccination video on my Facebook page. And we, we have 30 needles going into 30 shoulders in 90 <laughs> seconds. And they're all wearing keep on traveling t-shirts. And I've got my first vaccination and the, my second vaccination bookending it. And it's just saying, you know, you can have your quirky hangups. I've got my quirky hangups, but if your quirky hangups are going to keep us all down, you cannot do that. You know, we're all in this together. This we this ship is going to sail, but not until we're all on board. So we've got to get to herd immunity. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, and there's there's some concern among experts right now that of us being able to get to herd immunity because of the fact that we have a large portion of the country that still doesn't want to get vaccinated, which I can't understand, by the way. Well, I think 
the irony is the people who are not wearing, you know, the people who want to, they insist on having their parties and going to their pubs and all this kind of thing. They're the ones that are angry that we're not able to get back to normal. Well, they're the ones that are slowing us down from getting back to normal. If everybody would be, I just, I just think it's considerate, it's diligent, it's disciplined. It's, we are a society. Enrique, when I got my shot, I remember it was, I was filled with joy. All my endorphins were doing these little flip-flops, but it wasn't a selfish joy. It was very, very definitively not a selfish joy. I was part of a community. I was part of a, of, of a, of a, of a herd, I guess, when you think about it in biological terms. Right. And I was doing my part to get us all to that herd immunity point. And it just, it was a deep seated feeling. It, it, it was a, it was a, it was a deep seated feeling that together we're going to get vaccinated so our lives can go on like normal. We got to get ourselves vaccinated so we can help the rest of the world get vaccinated. I mean, this is really interesting for me because in my lifetime, I think, I just don't know if we've ever had this where all of humankind is confronted by the same crisis. This is, you can't have, you could have the best military in the world. It's not going to help you from this threat. You could have the highest walls in the world. It's not going to help you from this threat. We could get all vaccinated and cool, but if, it's, if the virus is still raging south of the border, we're not safe. And if you think we are safe, you gotta, you're absorbing the wrong kind of news, I think. Uh, we are all in this right. together, and we can get through it together, but it's going to take some high-minded thinking and some real leadership, and it's going to take a society that has the, the discipline and the, and, the, and, the, and the spirit to work together and do this and and not in a win-lose kind of way. It's got to be win-win for the whole planet. And it's totally within our reach. We're our own worst enemies right. when it comes to this challenge right now. Um, so we've got science on our side. We've got plenty of money to get everybody vaccinated. It's just a matter of why are you politicizing a vaccine? You know, that's just the question to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've talked in written books about, you know, travel as a kind of a political action or just being able to go and travel and to educate yourself uh, for us and to be able to travel again and to be on a Rick Steves tour or go to Europe on your own or whatever, it's gonna take that action for all of us to get together to get a shot. And- You hear a lot of people talking about a, a a vaccine passport, as if that's some big threat. Right. You know, when I was a kid, I never traveled without my, this was my passport, and this was my yellow international certificate of vaccination. You didn't travel in the 70s without this. I don't think I could go to Germany without this because they wanted to be sure I had my shot. You know, if, if a country has certain medic, uh, uh, vaccine standards, it's not to protect us, it's to protect their people from us. They want to make sure we're safe if we come in and they want some proof of that. I think it's very reasonable for a country to want some kind of proof that people have been vaccinated. Now, whether it's going to be a chip in your passport or something more high tech or just a simple formal document that proves you've had your shots. I had this one back when I was a kid. I got this one two years ago to go to Ethiopia. It's a vaccine passport. And I had it before COVID because Ethiopia wanted to make sure I had my... Um, some kind of shot. I forget even what it was, but they had a well. A lot of people about get some. They get shots before they travel to some places, particularly yeah. third world How countries. They, so it's not unusual. It's just like to me, it's common sense more than anything yeah. else. 
just occurred to me, it's unusual to somebody who's never had a passport. If you've had a passport, you go, well, obviously, you know, but there's a lot of right. people who are up in arms about vaccines in a vaccine passport who have probably never bothered to get a passport in their lives. But I want to ask you, uh, in this time, how, how should we be preparing for the time to be able to travel again? What we should yeah. we be thinking about? Seems like we could be well, using our time to think about that. Yeah. Well, my, my for me again, this is this is just I always find myself play the cards you're dealt, you know, and um, and uh, take this as for me, this is sort of therapy for a workaholic. I'm enjoying this this break, this pause, and I don't want to rush it because that's going to accomplish nothing. So be patient. When we do travel again, um, there will be certain safeguards that help us stay healthier, whether it's COVID or just just hygiene in general. I mean, I think we'll have no touch menus. You know, I like it when you go to a restaurant, you shine your phone on the QR code and you got the menu right there. You know, there'll be those kind of innovations. Our tours will have less people on the bus in the future. There's going to be 24 people instead of 28 people on a 50 seat bus. So everybody has a couple of seats, but we got to be realistic. You got to pack the concert hall. You got to pack the plane, the hotel, the restaurant, the, the, the tour bus, if you're going to have good business. You know, I'm an example because I do bus tours, but if I was doing a concert hall or whatever, you got to pay your staff well. You got to offer a product that is quality and costs money to, to provide. You got to have an affordable price so it's considered a good value by your customers, and you got to be able to make money on it. All of that requires pack the concert hall. You can't do that with 25% capacity. So in Europe, we've got to wait for the time when we can have the, the airplanes full and so on so it can be affordable. My big concern is after COVID, how many of the little businesses will still be standing? That's what's going to be heartbreaking for me. And the first thing I'm going to do, we've already scheduled it. It's going to be in March next year when Europe we think is going to be a post-COVID reality that we can research. I want to know how many little cute guest houses and bed and breakfasts and trattorias and fun little artisan shops that we've known and loved and recommended for decades are still going to be there. You know, Amazon's going to be here and Subway Sandwich is going to be here and McDonald's is going to be here. But what about these little places? The reasons I love to live here in Edmonds or the reasons I love to go to small towns all over Europe. What will be the impact of COVID? And uh, it, it may be minimal or it may be huge. I've got a friend who runs a museum in the United States and he's been, uh, you know, they were closed down and, and he figures a good percent of the museums that have been closed for so long will never be able to open up again. So we need to see what that reality is going to be. And then I think we're going to um, want to um, patronize little companies to help them stay strong as much as possible through this COVID time and even coming out of it. Also in Europe, a big problem has been in the past crowds. And we were getting to the point where, ironically, people were actually anti-tourism in places like Barcelona, Amsterdam, Venice, Florence, because there's so many crowds. I think we should spread out a little more just because it's better travel. There's so much to see. And we don't need to all be this Instagram mentality where we go to the same place to get our selfie with the same angle. Let's not have herd mentality that way. Let's get our, our, our uh, herd immunity and we'll spread out a little more and enjoy Europe on our own terms. So, Rick, we got... Um... Just about a minute left. Uh, when you see us getting back to traveling in Europe, do you think we'll still need to wear masks? Uh, obviously, you're going to try to put some uh, measures in to protect people. Yeah. What do you think? You know, Enrique, masks have been the norm in, a, in the Pacific Rim for years, and I never understood it. 
Now I understand it. It's a common sense thing to do when you're in crowded situations with a bunch of strangers, COVID or not. We'll probably have that sort of uh, Pacific Rim sensibility about masks going forward. But I do think we're on a glide path to normalcy. Bottom line, okay. in a couple of years, we're going to look back on this and we're going to think of it as old history. We're going to be, we'll have learned from it. And uh, I think 2022, we'll be traveling again in the spring. We'll be back with more after this message. Ready to take your travels to the next level? Alaska Airlines is committed to providing a higher standard of safety and cleanliness throughout your journey. From mask requirements and touch-free options to HEPA filters on board and everything in between. Plus, their award-winning loyalty program, Mileage Plan, makes it easy to earn and redeem miles wherever you go, including destinations worldwide, thanks to their One World Alliance membership. If you're ready to land a low fare, next level care, and the best experience in the air, book now at alaskaair.com. Uh, we're going to uh, have a bit more of a conversation with Rick, take some of your questions, uh, and if they can share some of those questions with me, I, that would be great. Uh, here we go, Rick. And, you know, uh, Rick, if we can go through as many of these uh, in the amount of time that we have. Going to have about 10, 15 minutes, and I uh, want to get in as much as possible. So here we go. Sounds when, you, when do you foresee new editions of travels books being available once businesses overseas are able to open again? You're asking you when will updated travel Yes, new editions of your travel book be available. I want to remind people there's no way to have an updated, an honestly updated post-COVID guidebook until a year after normalcy returns. So anytime you're traveling in 2021 or 2022, you will be traveling with a pre-COVID guidebook, ideally researched in 2019. And that's how we're going to be. That's the best you can do. So use those existing guidebooks and understand there'll be some some uh, fallout because of COVID. Mostly small businesses no longer in business. I think your sightseeing will be essentially the same. Uh, we're going to be as aggressive as any travel, travel publisher in the game. We're going to take, it's going to be all hands on deck, spring of 2022. We're going to work in a fury just to comb out all the broken stuff and get our books distilled down to what is accurate, what's still standing post-COVID. And my publisher is determined to get them out by the fall of 2022. Bottom line, 2023, good guidebooks researched after COVID was over in 2022 will be available. You'll have good guidebooks in 2023. In 2021-22, use the existing ones and be flexible. All right. Uh, how long, next question here, Rick, how long do you uh, think it will be before it's known? What's still standing at the end of this? I, I take this, uh, what's still standing maybe yeah. over in Europe? What new opportunities may have opened to would-be business owners? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, it's the big mystery, what's still standing. I've got friends that run little museums and they're in crisis right now. They, they have to pay their rent and they've got no revenue. And it's, you know, one winter is a lot, two winters. If there's no travel this coming winter, that'll be really tough. I think there'll be a lot of small businesses, both here in our communities. Think about what's going on in our yeah. communities and where we like to travel. We won't know. But on the other hand, people are resilient and a lot of governments help do a little more to help their, um, well, our government's doing a pretty good job helping out too. So governments are getting on there. Um, I, I think it's going to be all right, but we've got to remember that there's going to be a lot of a lot of people's entrepreneurial dreams that just get dashed by this. 
All right. With many Americans uh, working remotely as an effect of COVID, do you think uh, longer holiday stays and extended vacations will become a more popular trend in travel? You know, I, I've had, I've, I've just interviewed somebody for my radio show. It's called the Digital Nomad, and he's living in Kazakhstan just because he likes to live there for a while, and then he'll live somewhere else. He's lived in dozens of places and does his work remotely. Uh, you know, my son lives in Medellin, Colombia, and, and he does his work remotely. Um, there's all sorts of opportunities now where people are going to do that. And I don't, I'm not, I don't have the psyche to work. I guess I do because I work all the time. But it just, when I'm on vacation, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be going to the office. I love my work. So that's not, that's a different thing. But um, yeah, I mean, people have the option now to go to Hawaii with their family and, and do their work. My, my daughter's a school teacher. And as long as they were going to school virtually, she could be up here instead of in LA where she lives. She could be visiting her mom and dad and she could still be going to work. So that's a new opportunity. Right. There's gonna that's a, what I call a corona bonus, you know. Um yeah. I know churches <laughs> churches have made and and uh places of worship have have become expert now at at virtual services. And uh it's amazing how good they are. That got off to a rocky start and now, you know, attendance is holding and uh and offerings are holding. And uh, I think that when coming out of COVID, now it's going to be a hybrid. Instead of having small um, jobs for the assistant pastor to go to some, you know, retirement home and, and meet with people there, you know, everybody can either go to church physically or, or tune in virtually, something they didn't have an option to before COVID. Uh, I think we're talking like we're talking right now is going to be much more routine. So it's kind of one of those COVID uh, uh, corona bonuses. Right. I think we, we had to adapt and there's some things that actually are going to benefit us down the line here. Yeah. All right. Moving oh, yeah. on. When do you think Canadians will be able to visit the U.S.? When do you think the U.S. people will be able to go to Canada? Well, I, you know, nobody's got a crystal ball, but it, it, I don't blame any country for not wanting their people to go here until we get real about vaccination. Uh, you know, countries work really hard to get their citizenry vaccinated. And you don't want to, uh, you just, everybody's got, you know, travel's a two-way thing. I'm always thinking in terms of Europe, but it could be Canada. I know Australia and New Zealand are a good example. They're both doing great on this and they've opened up and now they can travel back and forth like Canada and America would like to travel forth. So I don't know the, the answer to that question. I just know it hinges on when are we all going to get our vaccine? When are we going to get vaccinated enough to have herd immunity? Until then, right. I don't expect to be able to travel. That's a big question. I, I hope people kind of get it together here to say, hey, get your vaccine. Okay, I'd when like to, uh, say, they, go ahead, I'm I'd sorry. Like to, on, sorry, Enrique, but I'd like to say on my tours, I'd like to say it's only people who are vaccinated. You know, our bus drivers, our guides, and our tour members are all vaccinated. I don't know what the legalities are of that. My hunch is it's not going to be an issue. My staff and I think it won't be an issue because I think Europe's going to require that for us to be able to travel there. Uh, but um, you're just putting yourself at a huge disadvantage going forward if you don't get your shot and you can't complain about it. I mean, you'll have the option to not have a vaccination because you think there's something spooky about it, but you cannot complain if people don't let you into the party. Uh, that's just the downside of deciding not to get a vaccination. And, and uh, ethically and from a community point of view, you're holding us all back when you don't get a vaccination. So this is something that uh, we need to, we need to, we need to um, thoughtfully promote a little more cleverly. 
Right. When safe travel does return, will you be adding any countries to your menu? It seems that Iceland was in the works, then COVID hit. Yeah. What's the status for uh, your tours oh, uh, yes. to that country? You know, with my with my program, I need to do guidebooks, tours, and TV shows for everything to work well because they all kind of help the whole program be vital. And when we canceled out of our travels in 2020, I had the crew ready to go. We had our permissions. We had our scripts. We were going to make new shows in Poland and in Iceland. Two shows in Poland, two shows in Iceland. I was so excited about it. And we had to cancel that out. And at the same time, we had new tours to both of those countries um, in the works. And uh, we were very excited about that. And when we um, do come back after COVID, uh, we're going to be, I'm as a tour company, I don't want to come back in a piecemeal way. I'm not going to say, oh, you can travel to Greece and you can travel to Iceland. We're going to do tours there. I, that's too um, impatient. I'm going to wait until you can travel everywhere in Europe before I open the floodgates. And then uh, we will just continue our program as we were before COVID hit. All right. How can we foster a sense of joy as we found in the past travel, uh, as we again visit foreign lands and people? It seems as if this sense of fear and illness will affect the uh, interpersonal interactions, which make travel so wonderful, which is, a, this is a good question. Ah, that's a good question. And, and um, I, for me, I don't, I don't travel to sit in a bubble and not get a germ. I travel to meet people, to connect with people. It's all about connecting. Uh, social distancing and my style of travel are the opposite. I go to Paris to have my cheeks kissed. And I go to Rome to pack into that piazza, <laughs> get a gelato and lick my gelato. Do you and need walk a hug, Rick? Yeah. What's that? I'm just wondering. I said, do you need a hug right now? I, I need a hug. I need a hug whether it's COVID or not. I go to the, I go <laughs> yeah. to the pub to, to clink glasses with people who really believe strangers are just friends who've yet to meet. That's why right. I travel. And um, yeah. I think that's going to be back. I, that question is a good question, but I think we're going to receive a very warm welcome. And uh, people are hungry if, uh, for a social connect, connection. And you don't need to physically touch to be connecting, but we're going to be hungry for that connection. We're going to have a very warm welcome when we get out there and travel again. And um, it's just, we're, 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 we're confronted, not just one country confronted, but all of humanity is confronted by this unprecedented challenge. We're going to get over it and we'll be traveling again. And when we do get over it, it's going to be like other terrible diseases that have just been crunched into our way of living and we have our annual booster vaccines or whatever it takes. But, you know, we're not all stressed out about a lot of diseases that used to be a very big deal. And my hunch is if the past is any indication of the future, COVID will be there uh, in due time. But we're in the middle of it now and it's hard to have a good perspective on it when you're right in the middle of it. You got to get the perspective of time to look back on it. It's just like I, I always think that when you travel, you get you learn more about yourself and you learn more about your home when you travel a far, long way away and you look at it from a distance. That's a beautiful thing about travel. And we're going to have a better perspective on this COVID after it's over, too. Right. Uh, is there one particular place that you are most excited about visiting once again, uh, visiting again when things normalize? You know, the first thing, I, I want to do three things when it's okay to travel again. One thing I want to do is I want to do a road trip in the United States, giving lectures about the joy of travel and the joy of getting out and packing the theaters and so on. I want to, I want to go to the small towns from here to Tallahassee, 20 cities in 20 days on a road trip. I did that a few years ago, and it was one of the great experiences of my life. Every night, filling a small, old-fashioned theater in a beautiful little town and bringing this joy of travel to that town 
and also pumping up that theater a little bit. So I'll do it as a fundraiser for each of these town's arts communities. That's one thing I want to do that'll take three weeks. Another thing I want to do is go to Europe with my guidebook uh, co-authors and researchers and sweep through Europe and, and, and comb away all the debris that's destroyed by COVID and then make the guidebooks up to date just with what's still standing. I don't know how devastating it'll be, but there'll be a lot of small businesses no longer in business. And we have to make the guidebooks that used to be perfectly accurate, accurate once again. And then my daughter is getting married to a wonderful guy named Damien. And I had actually booked one of our, our flagship tour, the best of Europe in 20 days tour. My son was going to be the guide. He's one of our ace guides. And I was going to just, I, I filled the whole bus with Jackie's in-laws. She's got a big family. They've got a big family from all over the Midwest. Most of them have never been to Europe. And I thought, great, we'll get to show them Europe. Uh, it'll be a wonderful gift for the whole family. And I'll get to know Jackie's in-laws and I'll go on a Rick Steves tour and do something I've never done before. Just relax and have a great time. <laughs> so no, that would have been, we had, to cancel, we had to, we didn't cancel that. We had to delay it and we're going to resurrect that dream as soon as we can when we come out of COVID. Right. When you're able to travel again, will you be focusing primarily just on work in Europe for a while or do you have any more non-European trips uh, that you're planning for yourself? Yeah. You know, um, for 30 years, every two years, we've done a new series of Rick Steves Europe episodes, 12 or 14 new shows every two years for KCTS and all of public television. And that's my my main focus. But over the last decade, every year we use, we produce one one hour special of a topic that I think is really important, whether it's Iran or the Holy Land or the Reformation or fascism or symphonic journey. And last year we did Hunger and Hope, Lessons Learned in Ethiopia and Guatemala. And that was a thrill to learn about, to scout, to produce, and then to share with our country. And I'm so thankful to have a um, platform like KCTS provides to be able to bring home those lessons. These are important topics that curious, smart Americans are steep on the learning curve about, and we can look at it from a traveler's perspective. And that's just a fun little niche I've found. I would love to do more of those, but right now on deck is a I'm doing a six-hour mini-series of the story of Europe's art and architecture. It's one I've been wow. working on sort of, uh, on the side. I've been collecting an archive of, of footage over the last 15 years. And now we're putting it together. And I've got the scripts roughed out. And it's going to be six one-hours. And God willing, we'll be able to share that on KCTS uh, a year from this fall. Okay, Rick, we only have about a few minutes left here, and I've got about five questions. I want to go through these quickly, and if you can give me just some really short answers, that would be great. I just want to make sure everybody gets their question answered. Here we go. Uh, what are some ethical travel practices we can fo follow as we begin to travel again? Well, consider the impact of Airbnb on uh, on existing communities. It drives out the local people so the tourists can get the best in the front row in that town. And also consider the impact of your travels on climate change. I don't want to be flight shamed out of my travels, but we do contribute to climate change and we can mitigate the carbon we create by supporting an organization fighting to help our, 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 our planet do well in this struggle. It takes $30 smartly invested in climate and carbon mitigation to negate your flight to Europe and back. Okay, post-pandemic, how important do you feel it is to add travel insurance to your trips? What I think is really important is to know your fine print and to expect flexibility on the money you put in, uh, in advance. Uh, uh, the insurance question is just, do you wanna buy the risk away or not? The insurance cost is a function of what is the risk and it's about 
20 to one, I think, uh, for the, uh, the risk. Uh, so you have to figure that out. But the main thing is know the fine print and understand that if you give money into something, you should be able to get it out. Uh, we've revamped our whole fine print for our tour program to give it more flexibility because people need that flexibility and they need to be stuck in a decision closer to the departure date instead of the conventional long in advance. All right, how do you think the travel industry will change post-pandemic? I don't think it's gonna change a lot post-pandemic. I think we love to travel, we need to be efficient, we need to pack the bus and pack the plane. Uh, we just gotta get past post, we gotta get to post-pandemic and that is just a function of all taking our shots. I really believe right. that these one vaccinations, we're on a glide path to normalcy and that means for the tourist industry as well. Okay, one last question. What is the one thing that you miss about traveling? One thing I miss about traveling is packing together with new friends and embracing life in a way where I'm out of my comfort zone, learning new things, getting, you know, when I'm in, when I'm, when I'm experiencing culture shock, it's a blessing because a cu culture shock is the growing pains of a broadening perspective. And that lets me come home with the best souvenir. And that's a better understanding of our world. And uh, we're going to do that again as soon as we get through COVID. Rick Steves, you're, you're just always fun to talk to and uh, learn so much. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Rick and Enrique for the talk. And thanks also to the folks in the audience who asked questions. If you'd like to be one of those audience members for a future CrossCut event, go to crosscut.com events. This episode of CrossCut Talks was engineered by Chi Lee. The live recording was engineered by Rusty Bacall and Victoria Ralph. And the event was produced by Jake Newman and Andrea O'Meara. Anne Krasnovich and Mo Klaub managed our audience engagement. If you'd like to subscribe to CrossCut Talks, you can do just that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit CrossCut.com. And if you would like to support the work that we do at CrossCut, whether it's the live events we host every month or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com donate. CrossCut Talks is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Mark Bumgarten. We'll be back soon with another conversation.